Yale Podcast Network. I want you to go ahead, but I'm telling you what I'm thinking about. The whole idea of sort of harassment, burden of proof, all those things. I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Okay, so I wanted to, my question is um, regarding the Harvey Weinstein Ah. in particular. Mm -hmm. The only accounts of harassment that Harvey Weinstein disputed were from two women of color, Mm -hmm. Mm Salma Hayek and Lapita. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think that says about the way our nation has been taught to devalue the testimony of women of color? Mm. Good question. That's a very good question. Um, I mean, I think that kind of goes back to Let's be very, very real and honest. You know, antebellum slavery, this idea that black women can get raped by white men and, you know, nothing was done about it. Nothing was said. Mm -hmm. It just happened. It continued to happen. And then, you know, black women were labeled Jezebels and um, sapphires. And so this idea that they were um, essentially like eliciting, you know, the sexual desires of, of, of white men. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's you have to put that in context, right? So the historical mm-hmm. context of this is coming from a place of, you know, a long history of, um, you know, oppressive, hegemonic, uh, like identities surrounding Black women and particularly women of color, right? So that their mm-hmm. that their mm-hmm. voices are not valid, uh, that their truth is not valid. And you know, we talked about Anita Hill. You know, that was her truth was not valid. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that kind of just says that historically speaking, this has just been, you know, kind of the burden that women of color had to face is that when they come out and they say something that they're automatically scrutinized because they're uh, in particular like viewed as these like very like sexual beings um, mm-hmm. or just the, the fact that like, you know, that there's just the credit there's just no credibility. Right. So for some strange reason, there's yeah. more credibility with white women. You don't yeah, you know, and, I- and it just happens that when way. he came out and he did that i felt more so and, and i absolutely agree with everything you said in in the broad spectrum him specifically and no one knows what he was thinking but i feel like um, in this culture yeah weinstein okay. um in this culture we don't value our our hold the beauty of women of cult of uh, mm-hmm. women of color mm-hmm. as much as we do so i almost felt like there was an embarrassment from him like no 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 I wouldn't have been attracted oh, to these okay. women I wouldn't have done this to these women mm, right. especially when he came out about Lupita and I thought wow so 70 women have accused you now and you've said person. nothing yeah. about them but you, and yeah. then one person one said sister something. comes out this chocolate woman who yeah. is definitely African features and it, it couldn't have happened with her what right. of, of the women right. let, so let me I, let me a quick question Aaron. of the women did did any of those other women besides the women of color, Lupita and Salmik, write in detail sort of op-eds about yeah, what happened? I, I think so. I maybe remember, maybe Ashley um, Judd, right? Ashley maybe Judd Ashley did. And I think who I'm a big fan didn't, of. Didn't she um, kind of like Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah, I'm Gwyneth as well. I'm sure, yeah, I but, think. Right. I'm not sure. And even though they didn't like necessarily, even if they didn't, let's say that they didn't write op-ed pieces, mm-hmm. um, I do remember like Gwyneth Paltrow and um, Ashley doing Judd, extensive yeah, interviews, doing extensive uh-huh. interviews, and like being very. Mm-hmm. And then that other woman that was on national Rose television, McGowan. yeah, she was like going around and she was doing interview after interview on every mm-hmm. network, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, detailing all the the accounts of what happened. And so, like you said, we have to be very like. Um, you know, aware of why did Harvey Weinstein 
only speak out about these two women of color. Like what, you know, you, and you know, yeah, you got, you got, you, I, you, I mean, you, I was very offended by it. I mean, obviously I'm offended by everything you right. did, but why right. you chose it? Because at first it was just Lapita and it mm -hmm. was very, you know, obvious and overt, like, okay, so you're not saying all of these histories, but then this African woman comes right. and says, Hey, this happened to me too. And I think it was indicative of the thought of how our beauty is viewed in this country and how it you know, our value is always reduced. Yeah, and I think that that kind of goes back to like what you were saying, right? This idea that, you know, black women or women of color are being faced with just not just like, um, you know, there, there's so many different battles that we're having to fight, right? Mm -hmm. So many things about not only our identity, so our, you know, and, and our, our identity is a politics, you know, how we shape our hair in the morning, mm -hmm. you know, how you go to a certain interview. All mm -hmm. these things are things that we have to consider about, you know, how do we want to present ourselves and what is considered to be, um, you know, the stereotypical identity around beauty. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I think like that definitely was a factor. There's so many factors into why Harvey Weinstein specifically did that. And I think mm -hmm. to your point, it kind of is, it's a, it's a, it's an amalgamation of all those things. Um, yes, I and, agree. Yeah. And I think what happens then in particular, when we say this identity around me too, um, and then also like the, the fact that it was taken from, you know, a, I mean, it's very unique, right? So it was taken from a black woman and then, exactly. you know, mm -hmm. you had a white woman take it and it just mm -hmm. became this viral sensation, right? Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. you know, who originally this movement was supposed to be centralized around women of color, mm -hmm. um, it was taken and it was moved somewhere else. And then on top of that, you have Harvey Weinstein specifically outing these two women of color. And yet, like, <laughs> you know, where I don't remember, I don't recall white women saying, you know, like, this is problematic, mm -hmm. you know? Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's just yes. like so many ways mm -hmm. and like there's this um, con constant erasure mm -hmm. of their voices or you know, discounting mm -hmm. of their voices. And it's like, come on now. You, you guys. know, it's funny. I noticed noticed it's funny. Uh, I didn't tell a lot of people this. First of all, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Ashley Judd. Always have been. You know, uh, you did tell oh, me yes, about Ashley that. Judd. Boom, boom, yes. Boom, boom. Yeah, yes. Ashley Judd. Yes, that's your, that's, that's, I think you remember right. telling me that was one of your, your Hollywood mm -hmm. crushes. Yeah, mm -hmm. but besides that, besides that, it's funny. I do follow it. Follow her on Instagram. And it's funny because recently she had a panel, and I did inbox her and say, "Hey, you know, love you, Ashley. Next time, if you could add some more diversity, diversity to that panel, that'd be fantastic." How you many know? people were, who were on the panel at that time? Uh, I forgot who. I I have to pull it so up. Was it, but it was it just like mainly like was it mainly it was, white women? It was mainly white women, unless somebody was Latino, but there was no, okay. no no black women. But it looked like it was mainly white women. And it, they were talking about like sexual violence. Sexual violence, so, yeah. Wow. And it's interesting because mm -hmm. it's interesting, and it, you you guys made me think of when we talk about men who've actually are have basically men who've basically sort of been ahead of the game on this problem. One one person is Jimmy Carter. I remember. Really? I me yeah, I remember. It's funny. He's written. I remember before I came to the Divinity School, you know, I was thinking about Harvard Divinity School, and I remember watching a speech he did at Harvard Divinity School, and mm -hmm. it was on his last book. He's written twenty-eight books. He's ninety-some years old. He's written twenty-eight books. I have not read a single one. Well, I'm. A, this would be one to read. He was talking about how, and he says it here. This was his quote. He believes the mistreatment of women is the number one human problem in the world. That's what he wrote. That's this is what he talked about in this speech. If you get a chance to look at it. At our Harvard Divinity School's website, I saw this back in like two thousand. I mean, I agree. Two thousand fourteen, <laughs> two thousand fourteen, and uh -huh. he wrote a book called in two thousand fourteen called a, I haven't read it, but I will read it now. A call to action: Women, religion, violence, and power. 
This mm. is the last of his 28 books. This man is 90 something years old. But he mm. believes that this is this the why I believe he says the the mistreatment of women. I'm sorry is the number one human problem. I think he said in the world. But he did this as a TED talk. Yes, in the world. In the Absolutely. world. Absolutely. And, I, and Absolutely. so so now we see. Go you ahead. know, I just ah. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me let me hear it. Let me hear it. Like, like you know, when he's saying women, who is he talking about? Like really? I mean, I haven't, I haven't read the book, so I don't know. You know something? You know, I, but I, like I, when I, we're, what, even when we're talking about like people like Joe Biden, who's been you know an advocate for you know you know um, uh, you know pushing against like violence against women. I just think that like the narrative is always shifted around a particular group of people. Well, let me say this: I don't, I don't know, but I hold that thought. I don't know specifically what. When you people. talk about the world, mm-hmm. I, I believe that his your viewpoint has to open up. Yeah, because people of color are the majority in the world. As a matter of fact, I remember. So him if specifically. you're talking about this nation, mm-hmm. then I'm going to think that you're skewing towards, um, mm-hmm. you know, white, white women. women. Right. But if you're talking about the world, because people of color are the majority in the world, and we see what's going on in, you know, other the parts of the world in terms mm. of the Middle East and Africa, I have to think, or I can, maybe I'm yeah. hopeful. Yeah, <laughs> let, no, 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 I haven't read the book, but I remember that was one example he used. He used, but I would be just watching Jimmy Carter's life. I, I, I would be surprised to think that yeah. he didn't think in terms of like the entire. He's a humanitarian, he's, he's and humanitarian. he has a, a larger view. He has most. a much larger view than most. But go ahead, Heaven, because <laughs> Heaven, Heaven has a point of view that is probably from this millennial crowd that we need to hear because I see her face. Okay, and then I have another question. <laughs> no, I'm, I, think, I think I'm just more of a cynic. That's my problem. No, well, let's hear, let's hear, <laughs> let's hear the cynicism. I want to hear the cynicism. No. So, you know, I, I think that, like, even when we're talking about this idea of you know, global feminism. And so me being from someone from the continent, right? She's from Africa, by the way. We did mention that. Yeah, okay. from Eritrea. She was born in, in mm-hmm. Sudan. Sudan. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm You came off- here when? How, when you I was 27 years? Yeah, so I came when I was a year. So I'm 28 now. She's 28. Okay. Uh, She's you know, okay. And uh, okay. I came when yeah. I was... Have you been back? Not to Eritrea? No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, okay. Definitely making that as a goal. Uh, but... Okay. You know, I think one thing I've always struggled with in the way in which, um, even in the here in the states, how it, we're talking about feminism and critiquing the continent or other places, um, it's always from this kind of like Western ideal of we're better than them, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. Um, our morals are better than them. So like we're at least not. So even we're having we're having the conversation around geni- uh, genital mutilation. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this kind of like. Um, Look at them, but look mm-hmm. at us, right? Mm-hmm. And it's right. and and, mm-hmm. and or even if we're talking about the Middle East, right? The way that mm-hmm. uh, we often critique, um, you know, gender oppression for, um, you know, women in the Middle East and around, you know, wearing a hijab Islam. and mm-hmm. Islam, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. and it's and it's crazy because you know some women find it, you know, the hijab to be empowering, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we're not having mm-hmm. those conversations, right? So it's just like mm-hmm. for me, um, you know, when I hear Western people critique. Mm-hmm. The continent, in that respects, it's always from this hierarchy of we're better than them, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of mm-hmm. why I, I kind of push back on like, all right, okay, you know, you, 
Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always very weary of, you know, the, the, the position and the stance that they're taking, you know, because they're not um, getting integrated in a culture and understanding kind of the systemic ways of where that comes from. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I, I, I'm Is there getting, anything you've seen specifically as an example sort of that you said? Um, I mean, so some sort of, uh, I guess, a point well, of view or understanding think- that maybe we're missing. You talked about the. Uh, where that could be coming from, and maybe they're not understanding in the culture where that comes from. Where what comes what, from? What, whatever I mean, that whatever I think, I think that act may be. Western arrogance. If I'm making yeah, any sense. what I mean. Yeah, exactly. There's a Western arrogance that we think that we're better that we yeah. think, oh, you know the plank and everyone else absolutely. is on. Absolutely, but, um, Because when we talk about, <laughs> there's just as much rape and just as much, <laughs> you know violence against women and children here in a different way. In a different right. way. In a different mm-hmm. way that we degrade women every day. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, in a different way. And, and like and like Heaven said, um, women, there are many women who see their job as, um, you know, empowering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're taught in a different way. And then, of course, we view everything through that lens. Right. But we were talking about Jimmy Carter and the Specifically, and none of us can say the hardest man or his yeah, thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yes. I absolutely understand your cynicism. It is well earned mm-hmm. based on the history of, but I'm hopeful <laughs> <laughs> that um, when he was talking about the plight of women or that being a number one humanitarian cause, that he was doing it in good faith to be inclusive of all women and not from an, a Western arrogant point of view, but understanding that it's here too. Yeah. But, you know, I wanted to sort of shift us a little bit because our, 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 our podcast is about faith and where we are mm-hmm. in the Christian community. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I don't expect you to solve this heaven. Yo, no, we're not, let me just say, we're not going to solve anything today, <laughs> by the way. And, and, and also, um, and also we're going to be doing many more of these. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. But, um, and, and I guess this is to all of us, you and I as well, Evan, mm-hmm. because we hadn't gone into this in detail. But what do we need to be doing is, or what does the church need to be doing, or the body of Christ, the Christian community, need to be doing about um, the violence against women, women of color, women in general? Mm-hmm. I mean, what is our responsibility? What are the proactive steps that we can now take, or that should we be that we should be taking? To help this, to educate, to make aware, to change the culture. Mm. That's a very good question. Well, let me jump. Let me jump in while you're thinking about it. I sure. think. I think. That, <laughs> I, I, no, I think what we have is interesting. What we have, we have, we have writers and storytellers. Uh-huh. We have preachers. Mm, that's good. We have like preachers. You know. Um, you know. I think awareness definitely in terms of sto- in storytelling, just mm-hmm. being very bold about. It, I think is a very. It takes. It, it's. It's. It's hard to imagine the type of courage it takes it's, yeah. to talk about this stuff in the church when your when your associate pastor could be doing it, right? Or when your or when your associate pastor could be abusing children mm-hmm. or abusing his wife, any kind of domestic violence because yeah. it's all it's all it's all violence, you know. Um, so it's funny because, and I don't want to get too far into theology. I remember I took I don't know if you were in this class with me uh, in systematic theology and. One of the most profound things I've ever heard was uh, the professor was talking about how, you know, he drew like this diagram on the board. 
And so the house, you, we know the, the Bible says sin leads towards death and going towards Jesus leads mm-hmm. towards life. And it's interesting because in the steps toward death on this diagram, the first, it, he sort of kind of associated whatever act of sin you make, the first step in that, the first step in that stairway when you, when you choose to sin or be participating in sin is violence. Right. It's like violence undergirds. Mm. Sin, death is the last part, but violence is the first step, you know. And so, and so, going back to even like globally, and 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 I'm be brief because I want to hear, I want heaven Mm -hmm. to respond. That whole idea of violence, even we think about Western culture. There's an organization that I I I follow. I need to support them more. I heard the the uh, the founder of it speak one time called International Justice Mission, and they deal with problems of violence around the world. One of the things they said that. Is interesting. It's like like in U.S. society, for example, Ashley Judd, whoever can come out, and then you go uh, the accusers of Roy Moore, Bill Cosby. You get some police investigation, you get some law enforcement, mm-hmm. and then some investigation done, and you can find out what's true and what's false, and you can deal with the perpetrator of the crime or whatever it might be. Even corporately, they can get fired, whatever. In a lot of these other spaces around the world, I would venture to say, you know, two thirds of the world. They don't have that kind of, they don't have law, they have laws, but those laws are not enforced mm-hmm. per se. They don't have the same sort of um, um, sort of mindset of like enforcement when it comes to law, when people are being subjected to this kind of violence or injustice, you know? Um, and that was one of the things uh, the founder of IGM found was consistent in some uh, areas of the world where you, you may have women or people suffering, or people who are vulnerable or marginal suffering violence. They go to the police and it's really, it really doesn't help them, you know. They really get there's no enforcement. There's laws, but there's no enforcement. Um, so yeah, so I think that that going mm-hmm. back to what what I want to say is definitely as people who are future preachers, gonna it takes a lot of courage, and courage should not be taken lightly, really, you know, uh, because people will talk about and this last thing I'm gonna say, folks will talk about well, you know, during the civil rights movement, would you have marched with King, you know? I don't know if I would have marched with King. You don't know until you're there. You know, right. pa- part of me feels like, well, you know, I don't know if I would have marched with King because the first dude tried to hit me in the head for being peaceful. Right. I'd ruin the right. whole thing. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> so it's better for me. It's better for right. me to say, hey, Dr. King, y'all going to Montgomery? What y'all need? Y'all need some sandwiches? Y'all need somebody right. to sponsor some buses? <laughs> you know, so you got to know where you can fight. You know, because right. right. I can't go down there because as soon as, those, as, soon as I see some dudes, you know, saying, you know, and then I'm like, yo, dude, you know, you know, then then it's the whole thing goes to 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 into the toilet. And then what? It's just like and the last thing I'm gonna say is just like if well, there's one time I was in this men's group, uh, at church we went to in LA, Aaron, and we went to the same church in LA. And they asked when you saw Jesus going through the passion, mm-hmm. the crucifixion, at what point would you have gotten mad? At what point would you have broke down and say, you know, bump this, you know, this is it. And I remember saying, it would have probably stopped for we when cats spit on me. You know, because anytime I <laughs> seriously, because right. the times right. I got into fights, if you spit on me, I was gonna right. fight you. You know what I mean? Right. You push me about right. yo, let's chill. Yeah. But if you spit on me, yeah, there was a fight. So and then if if Jesus would have done that, then <laughs> what Pastor said, then he would have needed a savior. You know, because right. now he done broke down and just you know let his anger get the best of him and right. sinned. So so it takes. So we have to. Do we so we could talk courage. It's gonna take some bold courage from. Uh, some a bold level of courage from those who 
uh, are in ministry, give them the pulpit, whether it's mm-hmm. uh, storytellers, because you're doing that and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you, what you're going to lose from it. Right. And I, in a way of yeah, thinking, I, 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 too, because, I, yeah. we, because it's going to have us buck tradition. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, because it calls for a new way of thinking and approaching what really is the truth of Christ. And mm. what really is the call mm. and concerning our behavior right. one to another. Right. Because we're big on, and I don't want to do a whole thing on submission, but women have been seen a certain way in the church. And for us to, to affect the world, we need to first affect the body of Christ Amen. and cause change there and then go out and, right. and spread that change. But heaven, we really want to hear from you. We'll hear from so. you, heaven. <laughs> what can the church do we need do? to re- do we need to repeat the no, question no no i remember yeah. i remember this it was it was a very uh big question this idea of what can the church do to move forward and be better well, well one, um, one of the things it's gonna have to because there's a lot of things we oh have to no do. the yeah. church can yeah. do so many things yeah. and so you know because like i said i am a womanist i'm going to centralize it back centralize on what what would heaven do and, yeah what does what what's you your know, fight gonna be uh and i'm also in the context oh god i should probably shouldn't say this now because i'm in, still i'm in the ordination process <laughs> so i need to make sure i get to the end Um, you know, but I think that, you know, the first thing that I would say is kind of what to what Aaron was kind of alluding to earlier was this idea of how we've just kind of demonized sexuality right in the church. Mm. Um, you know, this, this, you know, Kelly Brown Douglas calls calls it sexual repression. Mm. Um, and we just don't even want to have that conversation. Right. So it's just like, don't talk about sex. You have to dress a certain way when you come to church or when you're out in public. You know, there's certain ways in which that identify what is a woman of God. You know, so there's always this policing of people's bodies mm-hmm. in the church, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. both, you know, men and women. Obviously, we've seen it kind of um, obviously lean heavily more towards women. Um, and so the conversations we just first we need to just actually just start talking about it. You know, like Mm -hmm. openly. So it's not we're not demonizing sexuality. And so that when something happens to a woman in church or a man in church, that there's not this sense of uh, just embarrassment. Right. This Mm -hmm. idea that it's my fault. And so Mm -hmm. I'll say this when I was growing up, uh, you know, I was always told that my body was a temptress. Right. So that you haven't you have to make sure what you wear because you don't want to tempt your brother um, from committing a sin. And so, you know, that. Honestly, let's be very real that that kind of goes into, uh, you know, factoring into this rape culture mm-hmm. so that if mm-hmm. something were to happen to me and when it it's did your fault. and when mm-hmm. it did, I, I remember the first thing I questioned was, oh, wait, my skirt was a little too short that day. Exactly. Like I had a little mm-hmm. bit of a slit in that. Mm-hmm. You know, was it what it was, was it was, you know, was it what I was wearing that day? You know, what was it that enticed him to do what he did? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so the kind of like I said, the violent, the, the blame goes back onto the woman. And so that starts early on from the church. Right. Mm-hmm. So if the church mm-hmm. is not demonizing mm-hmm. black women's bodies, then, you know, we're kind of already saying that black women can feel empowered or women can feel empowered to say, you know what? Like I can be this kind of like the sexual being uh, and still be holy. Um, and and then when something happens to me, if I wear a particular clothing, that it's not my fault, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I remember you saw one of my videos that I posted of a, a preacher. Um, oh, my God. You know, he, uh, <laughs> gosh, his name is, uh, I'm gonna tag his you in prophet it, Aaron. Brian Carr, okay. and you oh know, we're gonna God. put him on blast because, you know, I've been waiting to say something about this man. He's a joker. Um, <laughs> but he preached a sermon in front of a, a majority, you know, black, uh, you know, you know, black women. The, con- the congregation was filled mo- mainly with black women. And he was referencing the way that women dress in church. And so he was saying wow. that, you know, if you have a split coming from something to Genesis, I don't even know what he was talking about, <laughs> that, you know, uh, he said, you're a hoe. 
um, yeah, wow. openly in the pulpit. Wow. And then he said, you know, if wow. you don't get offended, he's like, when I talk about adultery, if you don't, you don't get offended if you're not committing adultery. But if you're getting offended right now in this moment about me talking about hoes in particular, only relating to how women dress, mm-hmm. that you must be a hoe. Mm-hmm. And it was so crazy because the people that stood up were all wow. these women that were just cheering clapping. him on, clapping and oh. affirming this man in this oh. message. Erin is done. <laughs> listen, listen. Single fork at Erin right listen, now. You know? And then this, like, so, like, so that's what I'm saying, right? So you have black men, mm. black male preachers in the pulpit already demonizing women in the church. While calling other them women hoes. cheer them on. Right, while other women cheer them on. And then you ask why there's all this, you know, so like, so then think about it. If something happens to me in church and, you know, I'm thinking that day, well, maybe, you know, I was wearing a certain particular outfit, but that's not even true. Right. So we know that like that violence happens in the church, even when you're fully covered up. You but know? you know what, too? And uh, just a quick sidebar, mm-hmm. because all women have been in doctor with this view of us as second-class citizens. Right. We can see it from the past election where certain women voted against their own self-interest. I'm not going to go there, Evan. I'm just saying. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, 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 we can, can come back to that. Women, can we say the number? 53% is 53%. Yes, voted against their own self-interest when we have a person come out on record, on tape, right. brag about sexually assaulting women. And that same type of women that he bragged about sexually assaulting voted for him overwhelmingly. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, it is. It we've been in, the, and, and it's the same. I mean, you know, the same can be said for these um, women of color who are in the church clapping as a man calls them and tells them if if you are assaulted, it's your fault for what you wore that day, as right. if a shirt or a dress can force a man to commit an act of violence mm. against you. Right, right, I mean, like, right. that he bears no responsibility in that, that we keep continuing with these boys will be boys. Mm. And so you get to, get to, you're allowed, men are allowed to be boys forever. Right. But women, we grow up having to be responsible for not only our actions, but yours. Right. So mm. I would definitely say to, like, your point, Aaron, is that we first need, before we can even talk about action, there just needs to be a consciousness, like, raising. Mm-hmm. There's not mm-hmm. even, you know what I'm saying? There's not even, they don't, I'm pretty sure he doesn't even know what he did. The guy who spoke in that yeah. church? I No, it sounds to me like he's just doing what he's heard and seen growing right, up in right, little right, boy right, church. Right. So no, not, no hermeneutical, current, nothing. Right. And so if we're not even having, like, this discussion, we can't even talk about next steps because we're not Mm -hmm. even, the church is not even willing to say that this is happening. And, you know, like, to your point, this is also happening in the evangelical churches. How many of the Mm -hmm. people that have voted for Donald Trump, when you're talking about people like Paula White, you know, mm-hmm. she claims to be mm-hmm. a woman of God. We'll come back and to yet, that. That's that's going to be our. No, 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 no. So like, you know, one, one of this idea is that like, yeah. that, let, let's be so in the same vein, yeah. right? So it's not it's happening in the black church, but it's also happening in these evangelical churches that are claiming to say that you know that they have this kind of moral upbringing, and yet they mm-hmm. still voted for a man like you said, and they call mm-hmm. this they call Donald Trump a man of God, and he, he's openly bragged about grabbing women's private areas. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, let's so I think to like to your point, it's just like this idea that it's happening in all spaces. And mm-hmm. we can talk about Roy Moore. That's mm-hmm. a whole other thing. How many, you know, you know, mm-hmm. white women voted mm-hmm. for him. And this man mm-hmm. was like, I mean, obviously, like to your point, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty. But the fact that there were these amount Nine of mounting them, allegations Nine. of mm-hmm. like pedophilia mm-hmm. and that didn't even raise a concern for you to say, you know what? 
maybe this like morally is not right. But they mm-hmm. found ways to like, um, you know, make sense of it. And that's but and when we talk about it, just in the culture of women, because we know in our own culture in in terms of slavery, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? We can and, and this is not the topic for today, but there's a brainwashing that goes on. We we know it in terms of the light. And I hate bringing that up. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that we get indoctrinated with a certain belief. And I really believe that women have been indoctrinated with that same belief, like you say, in all spaces, cross culture that we believe inherently, not me, not heaven, but certain women believe that they are second-class citizens. Mm. And so they don't even hear it. They don't even see it. Those women who were cheering that pastor on didn't even see (laughs) that they were cheering on their own oppression. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's it's really, but you're right. We need to start having the discussions. There needs to be a certain level of consciousness beginning in the church because we're Christians and this is our call to go out and affect the world with truth. It needs to start with us and then, you know, go yeah. out. Right. And well, then from this conscious raising, then you have mm-hmm. more, you know, mm-hmm. uh, preachers getting in, more mm-hmm. black women preachers getting in the pulpit um, in general. And so. Like, he- know, like heaven. <laughs> yeah, let's, hope, let's, yeah. let's just hope I get to the You did your first sermon end. last, when, last year? <laughs> uh, this year. This year. I did my first sermon this year. I wasn't able to be there for some reason. I think I was. Uh, no, no, no. But you sent me a text message. It was all good. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think uh, that like even before you can, mm-hmm. you know, begin to even talk about like next steps. We need to. I mean, you know, we talk about revivals. We need to have a revival on that. Okay, well, yeah. that's something you're gonna you're gonna start. Let me just say this one thing <laughs> quickly. This has been a great discussion. One thing before we close yeah. out because we're gonna we're gonna keep continuing this dialogue. Yes, yes just, we're gonna have you back, Kevin. We're gonna have you time. back. And, and mm-hmm. one of the things, uh, speaking, of, we got on the political divide, but let me just share this real quick. And this is something just food for thought. The, this is a quote from a, an article. The political divide was revealed in, and we're speaking about the Me Too movement and sexual harassment, mm-hmm. in Time a Survey slash Survey Monkey poll, which found that Republicans were significantly more likely to excuse sexual misdeeds in their own party. The survey found that while a majority of Republicans and Democrats agreed that a Democratic agree that a Democratic uh, congressman accused of sexual harassment should resign, 71% and 74% respectively, when the accused offender was in the GOP, only 54% of the Republicans would demand a resignation compared to 82% of Democrats. That's just some, some, some facts. We'll, Not surprised. Yeah, let that sit with you. All right. Well, look. Well, we're gonna we're gonna close out. But heaven, thank you for being here, thank having you fun for with us me. on the other side. Yes, You'll thank be back. you. Um, thank you once again. Thank you for joining us today on the other side. During this onslaught of women courageously stepping up and speaking out, many have asked. Why didn't she say anything while it was happening? But as I shared when we began this discussion, if you're a woman, you already know the answer to that question. Honestly, if I recounted all of the times a man made an inappropriate gesture or pass at me, well, let's just say it wouldn't be a blog, it would be a book. And I don't say that with pride. It's just been my experience as a female. I would say as a woman, but I can honestly remember walking to school at the age of nine and grown men rolling up on me in their car telling me how nice my legs were. I was in the fourth grade. One time, I got a traffic ticket and the officer who gave me the ticket showed up at my door in the middle of the night asking me for a date. 
Yeah, a cop with a gun who got my address for my driver's license when he had given me a traffic ticket earlier that day showed up uninvited at my door. I turned him down, but I didn't report him. I didn't report him out of fear of retaliation and because, as I said, my life experience had already taught me that men making inappropriate advances was just a part of life. And no, it's not okay. But you have to understand why people who have become accustomed to dealing with a certain kind of systemic abuse don't report it. And when we do, what do we get? A woman gets told that an inanimate object, clothing, is responsible for her being brutalized, raped, or harassed. As if the cotton and polyester blend she chose to wear somehow forced another human being to violate her humanity. My point is this, and I truly hope you can feel my heart. Women in this country and in the world at large have been conditioned in many ways to accept bad behavior from men, sometimes even brutal behavior. We just take it, so much so that many of us just decided it was a normal part of being a woman. Now that I'm older and married, I don't get that like I used to, thank God, and oftentimes I wish this 40-something mind could go back in time and jump into my 20, 30-something reality and let the younger me know that I get why she's trying to laugh it off just to get out of the situation or out of the room without making someone mad. I get why she didn't report a lot of the incidents that happened to her in the entertainment industry. She just didn't want to cause trouble. She, me, just wanted it to go away. But it's time we make this all too familiar phenomenon not common. It's time we make it rare and disgusting. It's time we hold no space for it. It's time we relinquish justifying it with boys will be boys analogies and you were dressed provocatively justifications. It's time we send a message that only yes means yes. Not an absence of no, but an affirmation of yes. Recently, with the onslaught of the Me Too and Time's Up movement, I found out that some men in a news organization that I champion had been guilty of sexual misconduct against women. Learning that this sort of madman behavior was a prominent staple in a news organization that is supposed to be a bastion of 21st century millennial progress was disheartening, to say the least. But more than that, it echoes the sentiment that I have said since the beginning of this movement. This mindset that men have is systemic of our culture. It's in our movies, some of our music, and the media. How many times have we seen the use of a half-naked woman in a commercial to sell a hamburger? And how have these images and messages affected all of us growing up? The objectification of women has been going on since the beginning of time, and no, it's not okay, but when we examine this issue, we need to also examine our cultural culpability. We must look at it like any other oppressive mindset and begin to restructure the way we teach this new generation of boys and girls. And we as women must make room for men who desire to be better and learn from previous erroneous mindsets. And no, I'm not talking about pardoning rapists, but I am talking about creating space for a teaching moment for men who want to learn. Because what we have now with this Me Too movement is something productive and wonderful, the empowerment of women's voices. But we also have something counterproductive, a growing culture of bitterness, fear, and finger pointing. But as an African-American, let me tell you what we know in our culture and what we have learned in our pursuit for equality. Bitterness, finger pointing, and fear doesn't breed lasting change. Understanding and education does. And for that, the Me Too movement needs to become more inclusive. We need men as well as women in this movement, just like the civil rights movement needed people from all cultures to come together to be effective and truly facilitate change. So do the Time's Up and the Me Too movement. 
My hope is that we stop demonizing men who may say the wrong thing and instead use it as a teaching moment to educate them so they can be of use in our cause. It's time for change. It's time to move forward to a society where women feel empowered, respected, and safe. But to get there, we must have understanding and unity. Thank you for joining us on the other side, and God bless. Thanks for tuning in to The Other Side. Join me on the journey at AaronSands.com, or you can follow me on social media at Aaron L. Sands. You can follow me on Instagram at EvanTheConqueror or on Twitter at EvanDPark. Thanks again. See you soon on The Other Side. Views expressed on the other side are those of the hosts and the guests and do not represent the views of Yale University.